This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist, John J.P. Parker, are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And this is BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Um, Today, we're going to start a small series Basically, looking at the lens of things from relationships to work to everyday life when it comes to needing to create change. People are in this space where they're just having a hard time either letting go or moving on um, or or begging people to keep them in positions or creating space for them or this whole inclusivity thing. And so inclusivity isn't necessarily, necessarily a bad thing. Um, but sometimes the fight for inclusivity, the fight for seats at tables uh, could become problematic. Um, and so what we want to do over the next few episodes is encourage the people to, uh, BJ, before I steal your thunder, go ahead and drop that drop, drop that one line or drop that quote so people to get an understanding of what we're trying to build over the next few episodes. Got it. You mean that life-changing statement that yes. I say? Yes. Um, the one that, that's increased your life. Make sure... Um, you send that money to uh, at BJ one one six. Yep, and that way I get that check from you. But what I what I started began to say over the last four to five years, uh, just this statement again. You know, people create a collage of statements based off of what they've heard. Mm-hmm. But just a sober reality that I've come into. At some point, this is a statement. At some point, you have to stop begging for a seat and start building a table. And a lot of it just came out of just me coming to a lot of sobriety around my situations in different arenas of life, from work to faith um, to relationships, and just realizing, man, this isn't, isn't growing. This isn't changing. And therefore, I need to do something different. And that difference may be for me to build. What do you think, JP? No, absolutely 100, man, on that. And so I think the lens in which we see the world is going to definitely affect the way in which we we go about our daily life, right? The way we go about our business in relationships with our faith and at work. And so if we can get people to see things through clean lenses, right? Take off the dirty ones, take off the pink colored glasses and and and, and really be able to have clear focus, we will have more productivity in our lives. Uh, oftentimes, the problem is people want to look outside and say, well, if this was different or if that person didn't do that to me or if this didn't happen when I was six or if these things weren't happening at work, my life could be better. And we're like, man, if 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 we really can give, convince people and help you all understand that, man, it starts with you. We got to change our lenses. We got to stop begging for these seats. And once we start creating our own tables, setting our own tables the way we want them to be set, life will be much more smooth for us. Huh? Does that does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, I'll give you a time where I was begging for a seat um, from from a work perspective, and didn't realize it. So probably not long after my graduate program started working for an educational institution. And, you know, when you're young and you're young 20s 
and you're just looking to start your career, you pretty much take anything, anything that's kind of paying the bills. And so joined the faculty and staff and, you know, I kind of knew like something was wrong because this institution that I was working for had a lot of contract workers. Mm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's really weird. It's like everybody's on contract. And this was an established educational institution. And, you know, I noticed like, man, everything seems to go wrong. Like a lot of the business department stuff goes wrong and didn't pay no mind to it. But, you know, just kept on with my work. And finally, I started saying like, wait, the customers here are outraged about what's going on because they realize that the business here isn't working out. And so I'm just doing my job. I'm coming in day Uh in, day out. Uh uh You know, I'm trying to not pay attention to what's going on. Um, But I noticed that they started pushing more and more demands on me as an individual, as the staff, as, as a collective. And finally, it got so bad one day where they pulled us all into one big room Right, that they ignored all the signs, <laughs> and they said, <laughs> "This is the true story, man. Right. I don't have all these stories, man." Hey, man, no, you had you didn't have somebody <laughs> back then to tell you that red lights don't turn green. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have a soul to tell me red lights turn don't turn green, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you know, I'm going on my little lunch break, and I'm thinking it's gonna be good. I come back, we're in a meeting, and all of a sudden they look at us and say, "Today, after today." Half of you are not going to be here. (laughs) And then they said, the rest of you will have the next three months before we close our doors, right? Now, here's what's interesting about the scenario. I had known for at least six months to a year, this thing is not working properly. This thing is actually falling apart. And I'm somewhat apprehensive saying, oh, I'm just so excited. I want to go my career, whatever. But I had to consciously ignore the signs because I believed in my mind. I just wanted to stay to keep a job. Okay? Okay. Okay. I got you. And instead of actively looking for anything else, I just assumed and hoped that it would get better over time. Mm-hmm. And it okay. did. It only got worse. Right? And here's what I realized. I realized that, you, and it's really what you're saying, Red lights don't turn green. That though you, I may have been giving my all to a situation, the situation itself, the work itself, was not increasing value to who I was, nor the security of my position there, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the um, the initial signs that, hey, maybe it's time for you to stop begging for a seat hoping is working itself out. And maybe it's time for you to do something like build a table. Um, does that make sense, JP? Oh, that makes absolute sense, man. It's it's Go it's on. so it's so funny, man, because oftentimes in life, and I guess I need to stop saying it's funny because most of the stuff I follow up with <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. Bro, when you say that, it's not funny. Go it's ahead. not funny. I, it's like, okay, I see why you're laughing my pain. I do it often too. Um but it's we I don't know, it's it's a it's a psychological phenomenon. It's kind of like deep down in the, inside of us, you know, we all have a certain approval, whether it's from daddy, mama, uncle, you know, the neighborhood, your homeboy, your homegirls, whatever the case may be. And the workplace is, is, is no different. And depending on the type of job you have, the culture that exists in a place 
you will find yourself trying to climb that ladder because that's what that's what gets taught, right? That's what you get taught. You got to climb the ladder. You know, you go from working on the assembly line to uh, being, you know, uh, the boss of the assembly line to now you're a manager. <laughs> now you're the CEO. Now you overfrized. <laughs> now you overfrized. <laughs> go ahead. Hey, you gonna? I was trying to make it a little different than the prize one, but you're right, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, moving on up. <laughs> now right? you being registered, doing drive-through. <laughs> go ahead. That's it. <laughs> then you get to make the deposits, right? Um, and so it's it's it's. That mentality, I think, was is what keeps us linked to this idea of like, all right, man, well, I just, you know, if I just do this a little more, if I just stay here a little longer, if I just put in this time, even when you know it's a dead end, even if you know when you know it's somewhere you don't need to be, it's something alluring about climbing a ladder, it's something alluring about working your way up, it's something alluring about being that CEO because you get the privileges and you get the perks and you get the notoriety and you, you know all these different things. Um, but what happens is in a lot of those situations, either you have to compromise something um, or you, you find yourself being in a situation where you have to put on, and that's a, you know, a colloquialism that we use in the urban community. Put on means you have to put on a show. You have to put on a song and a dance. You have to perform. You have to, you know, do tap these dance. things. Tap dance. You know what I mean? Tap dance. Go ahead. <laughs> you got to shuck and jive um, for somebody, um, you know, and, 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 and the millennial culture is a little different. So, you know, jobs nowadays, startups and all these different things aren't as like hierarchy driven in terms of like you have to, you know, shut up and dribble as they ask LeBron to do. You don't have to just sit back and kind of just, you know, take a bunch of stuff because, you know, you know, people are a little more, I guess the, the liberties in jobs now are, are a little bit more so where you can speak your mind and have conversations with the boss without it, you know, being rude or disrespectful or whatever. But bottom line is, when your mindset is, I need a seat, I need a seat, I need a seat, and I beg for a seat, I'm begging for a seat, I'm begging for a seat, instead of creating your own table, you find yourself in positions where it doesn't add to your self-esteem. Um, it doesn't make you happy to wake up and, and go to work that morning. When you go to bed at night, you're having nightmares and, you, and you're anxious because you're concerned about having to go to that job the next day. Um, and That's there's right. a lot That's of, right. you know, yeah, right, right. That's right. Um, and they're going to call you in the auditorium and you're going to be sitting there looking crazy. <laughs> And, bro, you can't enjoy your lunch for the day. You brought lunch that day, your favorite snacks. Listen, <laughs> not your favorite today. <laughs> not today. This might be your last check for them snacks. So you might have to sell them snacks in the lunchroom. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah bro, so uh, go yeah. ahead. I, I, no, I was just going to say, you know, thank you. I'm glad we interrupted each other. I, <laughs> I think that one of the telltale signs of your begging for a seat is you don't have a direction outside of somebody giving you one, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so if someone doesn't tell you you need to be in this position, work at that place, you don't really have your own direction. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you are depending on that seat, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And many of us, when I say at some point you have to stop begging for a seat, we think of, you know, asking adamantly, right? Mm -hmm. Really, what, what the implications of it is, is that you don't have your own sense of direction. Therefore, you only follow what the person who you like, love, is saying to do. Mm -hmm. And when they no longer are able to do that, or when that thing that said is offering you the consistency that you want, now you're completely lost. Let me give you what happened afterwards. So many of the individuals, I went on to thrive, okay? I just, let me just say that. Of but course, many why, of, why wouldn't you? 
Well, uh, you you cannot thrive. It doesn't mean you're going to thrive after That's this. That's true. That's true. But many of my colleagues who left, even after the doors closed, JP, they were lost. Mm, mm-hmm. Listen, man, they had put all of their eggs into being a faculty here and being on staff here and, mm-hmm. you know, growing in tenure here. And, like, mm-hmm. they had put all of their eggs to the point to when that specific thing ended, they found themselves in a position where they had no more direction because none from that entity was being given, right? And that is a begging for a seat moment. Mm, man. Is that when that thing ends, you don't have a clue what you're going to do because you were only doing that which you were told, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is a time, JP, you know, just switching gears a little bit, when whether you were trying to do it or not, you found yourself, from an employment perspective, begging for a seat? <laughs> what, what's the moment for you? And I So the, the biggest one for me was, uh, and that's funny because you asked me pre-show and I, I couldn't think about it. I guess I'd had enough... Uh, beat myself up on these podcasts, but it, it came to me. Look at that. Oh, no, you, look, listen, listen. <laughs> it's going to come. Go ahead. If, if I Go think ahead, long bro. enough, the, the fail will come to me, right? I said that uh, fail will come. All right. So I used to work for a uh, tax company um, that had several branches, several locations. It was a um, nationwide company or whatever the case may be. And when I started there, um, I got a lot of accolades and I moved up from just being a tax preparer to running my own office within like two or three tax seasons. I think one, two. Mm. Yeah, I think my third season with the company, I had my own office or whatever. And it was very interesting um, because I was at a place where I left the service industry when it comes to like counseling and, and, and community service and all that other stuff. And I moved into like banking and taxes because, you know, hey, mid-20s, you know, money's much greater on this side of the fence. And you know, I could kind of write my own ticket. But what I found out was like, hey, after I started looking at like how much we were charging to do tax returns, how much of that money was going to the company, how much I was getting paid hourly and then salary when I ran my own office. And then the like the gap between how much we charged and how much I That's got right. from that tax return. That's right. That's my, right. My brain was just like, man, like, and then they would send financials every, you know, because I'm a branch, you know, like a branch manager, right? So they get financials. Oh, we made this many millions, this many millions, this many millions. And I'm like, bro, when this tax season is over, I'll be good to have gotten $40,000, maybe 30 out of the situation. <laughs> and you guys are turning over millions. Million. But this is per location, millions bro. And billions, bro. Bro, bro, per location, my man. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just like areas. It was like per location was turning over just fistfuls of money. And I'm like, bro, I'll be lucky to pay my rent, you know what I'm saying, for a month after this job ends in April or whatever the case may be based on the salary that I'm getting. And so it was a thing where it's like, man, I see the trajectory that I'm going with, you know, and potentially maybe I can earn my, you know, earn my way to a position where I maybe get offered my own uh, location, you know what I mean? And maybe franchise it or whatever. And then that's when I'll be starting to start making the money. You can have your own McDonald's. Go ahead. I can bro. have my own McDonald's, right? <laughs> but then I also realized this company was a predatory lender. It was no mm. different than checking the cash, Title Pond, you know, all of those type of stores. And so then I had a dilemma. It's like, all right, 
do I continue moving in this direction? Because people volunteer to come here and the people that are getting these thousands of dollars back, they're not really concerned about the, you know, what's really going on and what's really happening to them. And then I was really faced with the situation like, man, like I really, the people here love me. The community that I'm working in loves me. Um, everybody's so excited when they do their taxes, except for the people that owe. And like, you know what I mean? The people that are like the branch manager, the people that own the franchises that I'm working for um, love me. And you know what? If I, if I play this game long enough, you know, I, I, I'll have a seat. You know what I'm saying? I'll have a seat at the table. And it just got to the point where, it, fortunately for me in this situation, morality kicked in. And I was like, I just can't be a part of the situation anymore. But it took me three, four, five years of working in that environment to realize like, man, like it doesn't matter what I do. This isn't right what I'm doing. But even more so, I'm playing myself because I'm trying to play this long game of if I just do this long enough, then mm. I'll be the one that's making the money. But no, no, I'll be the one that's pimping the people. Like that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like I was in this situation where a seat at the table was costing me my soul, but it was also putting me in this position where my, I was salivating. Like, it wasn't like you, like, hey, we getting fired. What am I doing? Where do I go? I'm lost. It's like, no, I was losing myself for trying to find a seat at that table. I was losing myself for begging for a position. I was losing myself for trying to climb up that ladder. Um, and it just, it just, that was the point that left me empty. That was what left me, like, in shock and lost. Because, you know, after I quit that, that, that place, I, st- I opened up my own office or whatever. So that was like, okay, cool, moral of the story. Uh, and I was fair and just, and I was the people's champion, right? <laughs> it was fair and I was just. You know what I'm saying? And I was, I was their champion. Go ahead. That's it. I was, ahead. I'm Robin Hood, bro. You know what I'm saying? But it was just like one of those things where uh, those years, bro, it was just like the bane of my existence, man. And I just saw what people were doing. And sometimes mm. like people would like we be willing to like say, hey, you know what? You know, hey, uh, I know you don't want to pay the prices of this company. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? Why don't you, I'll do these taxes for you at home. You know what I mean? And so you start getting into these slippery slopes of like moral compasses. Like, yo, like, you know, if, if, if somebody came to your business and wanted to buy burgers from you and you worked at McDonald's, but you're like, nah, I got cheaper burgers around back. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's not how you should do things. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just a lot of like things like that that were happening in that environment that I started picking up on and became a part of who I was and slowly started to change me. That's the, if, if nothing else, like that's the moral of this you know, situation. Like I became somebody that I shouldn't have become for the sake of getting a seat at this table. And I started to lose myself and lose my soul. And that's, that's a, a problematic nature that comes from trying to find a seat at that table, bro. Man, that's a good point. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org.
I think about one of my moments uh, from an employment perspective is begging for a seat. I remember I used to work for, uh, I worked a lot of jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to all my ex-employers. All right. Um, <laughs> but I used to work at this job where I would sit every day in a cubicle, answer phones, and I would have to talk about, you know, whatever business <laughs> that I was trying to do. But I was stuck at a cubicle. And I knew every day that I went in, I dreaded it. I could, I dreaded the idea of having a phone strapped to my head and talking in a cubicle for six hours straight. I no, dreaded it, right? No, thank you. But because I needed the check and I was younger, I thought this is better than nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And eventually, man, it, it really just got to a point to where I could not take it anymore. I I literally could not stomach showing up daily to a place of employment to get only a few dollars per hour just to barely make it. And to me, the my begging at the seat moment was I knew in my heart of hearts that I am a expressive move around, you know, engage people in a meaningful way type of person. But because I was so fearful of not just making rent that month, I subjected myself to an environment that I knew, that I completely knew was making me anxious every time I walked in the door, was making me uncomfortable, and was not growing me towards purpose. And so one of the ways you know that you are begging for a seat isn't and let me let me be clear about this. Sometimes, from an employment perspective, you have to do what you have to do, right? For right, a moment, right? Right, and you have to serve. I mean, you hear this a lot. You have to serve before you can lead. That's absolutely true. You have to discover who you are in the process of the journey of service, but you don't have to suspend who you are in this fashion that begins to kill your God-given wiring and purpose, right? And so I was willing to do that because I thought, oh, I'll just do it. I'll close my eyes and whatever. And JP, I found myself completely miserable. I couldn't get out of bed to go to work. I, I, I drudged the idea of going to a cubicle, but because I was so scared of not having a little bit of money that month for working six hours a week, I found myself almost killing my wiring because I just, I didn't know. I, I thought I had to beg. I didn't know that. And I think I even ended up getting fired from the job. I think they finally just kind of came in one day and was like, yo, you're not cutting it in this. I think we got to let you go today. So, uh, wow. yeah. <laughs> Put How do you see, JB? <laughs> uh-huh. Bro, they, they shot, they old yell at me, bro. Yeah. They old yell at me. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you see just in this culture, JP, from a work and employment perspective, us begging for seats? What do you see? It's, it's so many factors, man. You have like economic factors. You have financial stability factors. You have um, something that when I was in law school, for the short time I was in law school, um, one of my professors was just oh, talking about- Wait, you this. in law school? Yeah, man. I was in law school. 
Okay, um, go ahead, bro. <laughs> can we? <laughs> go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I, I, go I ahead. wasn't even gonna feed I into that. Hear. I was, I was gonna give you some go more ahead. information, but I'm not no, gonna give you that. Be the bigger nah. person. Yeah, I am. Bro, be the bigger person today. That's go what ahead. I'll do, as I, and I'm gonna keep it moving. So, as I was in law school uh, for a little bit, the one of the professors talked about golden handcuffs, um, mm. and you know, golden hand, golden handcuffs. Like, yeah, these lawyers fresh out of school, they making a bunch of money, they filling themselves. They buy boats and yachts and houses and cars and all that other stuff, and now they're in debt for the rest of their life. So they have these handcuffs, but they're golden. They're nice handcuffs, right? Oh, they're pretty, they're nice to look at, but they're still handcuffs nonetheless. And so because we create these situations for ourselves um, and have desires and, and things of this nature, we are willing to, you know, just go through these things that we're talking about, get talked crazy, crazy to at work, um, feel like we're losing ourselves, lose our soul, um, get over on people, um, be miserable, be stuck. And again, you know, I'm, I'm bad cop time. Um, but again, <laughs> you know, shoot the gun. Hey, shoot man. the gun. I got six shoot shots. The gun. I count six shots. Um, no, like it's, it's, it's unfortunate because many of us due to not coming from silver spoons or, uh, our parents being able to give us formal educations on how to spend and save and this and that and credit and no credit and debt and no debt and school loans and blah, blah, blah. Um, we have to do what we have to do. And many of us aren't wired to be entrepreneurs. Many of us aren't wired to run businesses and own companies. Uh, and also our education system in the United States teaches us to be worker bees, right? We're still Ooh. getting, a, no, for real, for real. We are, we are getting an education, mostly in public schools, but even in charters and other places where we're being taught to how to go work for a factory or go how to go work for a boss and not how to work for ourselves or how to create things so that we can be thought leaders and, and create products and, and be you know, self-employed and entrepreneurs um, or at least just create products that get sold to make us money for generations to come. Like we just get taught to go to work. Um, and so we don't even know how or what it looks like to not beg for a seat. And it doesn't have to be something very major and, and big and blown out, but like we, we live a lifestyle when it comes to work to where we go on somebody's job interview. We get nervous and throw up and have to prepare for four or five days for these interviews um, to, you know, sometimes humiliate ourselves and say things, well, what's the thing you're the worst at? You know what I mean? You know, all these different things um, that we have to do and we have to sell ourselves. And the standard, so listen, and the standard answer is what? I work too hard. <laughs> Give myself all right. completely to my job. I, all my family always says, "Man, you don't stop working." That's always the answer. Go ahead, go and see. Go ahead, Jay. bro. You go really ahead. have been on a lot of job interviews, bro. bro I, I work too hard. What's the worst quality about yourself? Why would employees? Side note: Why do employers ask you that? I don't, Why I don't do know. they ask you personally, a person that's needing a job? <laughs> listen, if you there, you need that job. <laughs> you need, bro. Listen, you gotta get hired, yep. and you gonna say anything, bro. You're yep. like, yep. you know, how much wood would a woodcut cut you? Like, a <laughs> bro, you'll say anything to get hired, bro. Yep. And listen, the worst thing about me is I work too hard. <laughs> early, I leave late. I don't get compensated for that, bro. You hire. You hire. Oh, what? No overtime. Go okay, ahead. cool. No overtime. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, bro. Like that. That sums it up, bro. Like it's like, yo, that's how bad things are when we trying to get that seat at the table, bro. And when we begging for it, man, we 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 put our we, we just put our best step and fetch a foot forward, man. When it comes to getting that job, man, and and it's 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 not necessarily a shame or a thing to be embarrassed of. But it's just more so the realization that 
we we live in a culture and a society, even though it's whatever year it is, we're still in that mode to where we got to, this is what I need. And, and these people in this company at this building, for whatever reasons, is my is 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 who I need to go and 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 seek this from. Um, and again, I understand everybody's not an entrepreneur and everybody's not a you know like like a wants to be a thought leader and change the world and do these different things. But man, if you don't have perspective, um, if 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 you don't see things properly, if you don't understand yourself and who you are and what you want and your desires and and the direction you're trying to go in, you will keep going to these interviews. You will put monster, monster. What'd you say? Monster.com back in business. Monster.com. Right. You LinkedIn. Know what I mean? Somebody's on LinkedIn right, right now. Right, 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 right. Um, and you know, and it's, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. And so it's, I don't, I don't want people to hear us saying that you're a fool for going to get a job, right. Or you're, 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 you look stupid trying to go to a, a job interview. It's more so the idea that, man, you got to have more for yourself and you got to be thinking through a bigger lens than just, man, I, I just got to, th- th- these people have my destiny in, the, in their hands. You understand what I'm saying? Like, okay. No, you, I, I completely understand. So here's the thing. You're either going to live life or life is going to live you. And just to start letting this plane, I think part of the issue is you're just not self-aware enough. That's why you got to beg for a seat. That's why you have to show up, Yeah. you know, to a job that it's clearly zapping your soul. We're not talking about just some grunt work and, man, I had to go through it. We're talking about living in a space where you know this is undermining where I'm going. And I, I think that part of the, the greatest issue that I've had for a long time was I didn't have enough self-awareness to begin to build my career. I was just looking for a job. Let me say that again. There's a difference between building your career and looking for the job in the one word is self-awareness. And so many of us are just kind of in it. We're just hoping that we can go day to day. And bro, listen, we'll look up. And some of us got golden handcuffs. We got silver handcuffs. We got brown handcuffs. And some of us have nickel handcuffs, right? <laughs> yeah, still got Where it. Where we created these things over a period of time. And the only reason why we show up to that thing day in and day out is because it's creating the bare minimum of what we're afraid of losing. And what I would say is, One way that you can leave this, and we'll start wrapping up here, is begin to be self-investigative, right? What are your hobbies? What do you love? What what drains you? What inspires you? Have you taken any tests like the Enneagram, um, Strength Finders 2.0? Have you asked and investigated your personality from close friends and family members and mentors and colleagues and begin to understand that? And then as you begin to take inventory, Then you begin to get the credentialing and say, hey, what credentialing do I need in order to pursue small risk towards something that's really meaningful? And so what I would say is part of the way that you begin to build a table specifically in work is to not just be secure with the safety of a job, is to become curious about your own passions and desires. And as you do so, yeah, you may be working a job in the moment. Right. But you're simultaneously also thinking about building your career and then taking risk towards that endeavor. JP, what's what's two things, one or two things you would say, man, this is how you begin to build a table in the area of work. 
Well, um, that last little part that you said kind of stole all my thunder. But, you know, I'm creative Dang. enough. You know, no, it was just, I mean. Hey, man. You got it. Just why they pay me the big bucks. I understand. I understand. I understand. Um, but no, like, so mind shift, right? So lens change. When you view work as the end all be all, as something that's going to bring you your satisfaction, allow you to live a life that's comfortable, um, to secure your destiny, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just the thing. You have to be careful because your your self-confidence, your self-awareness, your who you are as an individual becomes linked to that. Um, and so if you don't have a way to put work over here, like, okay, it's cool to work. I need to work. This is my thing. And who I am as an individual way on the other side of the room, you're gonna get you're gonna get bogged into that 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 space of of when you get that letter and you're terminated, or when you're when you have to spend the next three weeks thinking about your job being on the line, or when you got to figure out you know the next layoffs and, and hire and fire, like that stress that you don't need in your life, right? And that can happen, mm. like you know you you know those are real concerns, but oftentimes that's when we get into like conversations about suicidality, and we get into conversations about depression, we get into conversations about anxiety and worry and, and panic attacks and stress and our hair falling out and our health goes away um, because this, this job is such a thing that it, 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 it commands so much attention from us. It becomes a part of our psyche. It gives us, you know, our, our, our nourishment, our hope, our, our, our whatever. And when it's not going the way you want it to go or when you're, when you're, when you're so concerned about climbing that ladder or when you're not getting the feedback that you crave or when your boss isn't giving you those attaboys, you as a person fall apart. And so when you're having this mentality of like, I, I need this seat, I need this seat, I need this seat um, at this table, it becomes detrimental to your health. And again, you get a job, keep a job. It's good to have a job, um, but you you have to be more than your job. Um, hmm. You have to be bigger than your 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 position. Even as CEO, you have to you have to be more than that, and there has to be more to you um, than what you do. And think about it, American the, the culture, right? It's hey, nice to meet you. So what do you do? It's not like hey, how your mom and them, man? Are you really satisfied in life? Like man, you know who who are you as a person? No, people just want to know what you do because we have created this this or not we. America has created this this identity that you are your job, you are what you work, um, and you have no more significance in that. And so, for me, just I just want to encourage the people to know that you are more than that. And when you understand you're more than that, you don't find yourself in positions to be begging for seats. When you you be in position to be like, "Yo, I'll create a table if I need to." That's right. If I need to, that's a great point. So you may be listening and saying, "Man, this is a lot," and I need some help. Uh, and fortunately. Um, there are people who are experienced that can actually help. Um, if you would visit buildaveteras.com, talk to a life coach also, um, who can help you in your very specific journey in trying to build your table at work. Um, also make sure you leave us a review online, um, and tag us at BJ116. And then what at what? C. John Roar, S-E-E-J-O-N-R-O-A-R. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you because our job is to help you become a better you so that we can become a better us. Hey, folks, if y'all don't believe that BJ is that dude, I just Googled his quote and it's I didn't even put the quote in. I just put like his name. I didn't even put his name in. I just put the quote itself. And this dude is in my is in my is in my Google feed, bro. Like, I don't I'm know if, if, if Google knows that I know you, but like literally nah. it says right here. BJ nah. Thompson on Twitter. BJ Thompson yeah. on Twitter. Like you, yeah. he's that dude, bro. People you need y'all need to understand. This guy that 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 gives you this game <laughs> on a weekly basis, night in, night out, is is the internet's recognizes man. So you need to too. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
thanks, bro. Appreciate the shout out. Thanks for the love. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. All right. Holla. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.